Hello, everybody, and welcome to another mid-August edition of The Sam's Report. I hope that everybody is having just a swimming time uh, as they wind down their summer. Or if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, which Microsoft doesn't care about with the Fall Creators Update, I hope you're enjoying your late, what is it, should be late winter, uh, heading towards spring. But, yeah, here we go. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Create... <laughs> <laughs> it's been an interesting week uh, on many facets. One, uh, if you're going to Microsoft Ignite next month, uh, September 25th, I want to say through the 29th, uh, I will be there. So, yeah, let me know about that. And uh, I'm sure we will be having um, a meetup by all means, just like we always do. I'm sure there will be alcohol. There will be debauchery and it'll be a uh, hopefully a good time. But I will be down there. I actually think I might get in on Saturday. There's a possibility my kid and wife might come we, we, we haven't fully decided yet but um so i don't know if you've ever wanted to meet my wife or kid and you come to these things frequently you might actually have an opportunity but uh yeah so that's next month i am registered for that i haven't booked my flights yet but hotel and everything are squared away so uh that should be that should be good i'm looking forward to that i don't know what microsoft is going to announce yet remember this is an it pro related event it's not going to be i I would be very surprised if they announced any hardware or anything like that. They typically have an event in October for that. And so it, it's going to be more software-related things. I, I could imagine them talking about the uh, spring release for Windows 10, possibly a little bit. And it wouldn't be like the consumer-facing features by any means. This would be the enterprise stuff. But I could also see them not talking about that and see them talking about the Fall Creators update and just kind of rehashing what they've already done so far. So, uh yeah, we will see what what happens there. But um, all right, on to the show. A couple of things this week, switching it up a little bit. Um, not the show, just kind of like my personal stuff. So since the beginning of Windows 10, I've always used the Windows 10 Mail and Calendar app. And then Newton Mail, uh, used to be called Cloud Magic, is now in the Windows Store. And it's a better email app than what Microsoft is currently using. Um, it's not cheap. And, and this is a big barrier of entry for me. It's 50 bucks, And it's not for a lifetime license. That's per year. But I got to tell you, it's nice. It's a nice email app. Um, I'm not fully decided if I'm going to pay for it yet. I, I'm, I'm going back and forth. The, the reason that I like it over Microsoft's own mail app, which is kind of embarrassing, to be honest, is that it syncs across every device. All your settings uh, go with you. For example, the machine I'm podcasting on, I have mail set up one way. And on this Surface Studio back here, when I use it, the settings don't sync. Like, things it, things don't sync. And it, it's really frustrating until... It, and I didn't realize how frustrating it was until I used a mail app that syncs everywhere. It syncs everything from your phone. It, like, it's nice. Like, And this is something Microsoft should be able to do. Uh, it, and I'm not just talking about syncing emails, but I'm thinking like talking about syncing the settings. I'm pretty sure you used to be able to do this in Windows 8. I don't know what happened. But uh, anyways, this is a good sign for the Windows Store at the end of the day because this is another premium application coming. And this is a high quality one. People on Mac and iOS love this mail app. Uh, I, I kind of understand why I can't. The, the price is a, 50 bucks is a lot for a mail app per year. But, you know, I'm willing to pay for quality stuff. We'll see if I end up paying for this. But so far, so good. It's in the Windows Store. And uh, at the end of the day, this is a good thing for Windows 10 because i always a big fan of options. Nobody has to pay for this. Nobody has to use this. The built-in mail app is fine. Uh, it's only when you get in multi-device scenarios that it becomes a pain in the butt. But it's there. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, the other thing I'm changing, like, on my personal side 
And so I have been using Adobe Premiere Elements, which is a kind of a watered down version of Adobe Premiere to do my video editing. I don't know why I've never done this, but uh, there's an application called DaVinci Resolve, which is built by the people that build Blackmagic, which is the same video capture card that I use for a lot of things. Uh, and uh, it's free. The software is free and it is much, much, much more powerful than Adobe Premiere Elements. So DaVinci Resolve 14 is going to be what I'm going to use for video editing, I think, going forward. And so I'll see if it makes any difference in the quality. There's a lot better options for lighting and color adjustments. Uh, Adobe Premiere Elements is fine, but it's it, it's very basic, very quick. It's good for quick and dirty edits. But if you need anything advanced, it's not so great. And so I'm going to be curious to see how DaVinci Resolve works out. I'll let you guys know here in a few weeks. The, I mean, the best part is anybody can download this. It is absolutely free. And it seems to be a relatively powerful video editor that is updated frequently. And speaking of updated frequently, that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm drawn towards the Newton Mail app. Um, and this is not a big shocker, but when you have a company that only builds one thing, they only build a mail app, they tend to update it very frequently. Unlike Microsoft, who builds hundreds of thousands of things, uh, mail isn't updated. I mean, it's updated frequently, but not to the same capacity that Newton Mail is. And so I kind of like the idea of supporting an app that only does one, a company that only currently does one thing because they do that one thing really, really well. And so anyway, so Newton Mail, DaVinci Resolve, that's a pretty big change for me in one week uh, on the software side of my life. So uh, moving on to other things that happened in the Microsoft world this week. Microsoft announced two new Azure data regions in Australia. I believe this takes them up to 42 when they go online. I think they're at, they're at 40 currently because um, they're announcing two and they'll be at 42. Those go online in 2018. This is a big deal for Microsoft, mostly because they just got certified by the Australian government to, hand, to handle sensitive data. Uh, meaning government data and, and things that have region restrictions. And so now that they will have two data centers inside of Azure, that means that they are in prime position to gobble up some of that market share. And I think they said uh, they're the only vendor that's currently certified by the government to do that, mostly because how this stuff works is those governments, much like Germany did, uh, and I totally get this, they don't want their data taken outside of their uh, territory. So a reasonable request, I guess. And so you need two regions for proper data redundancy. And uh, yeah, and by having two regions, you can properly accomplish that. They're both on, what is that, the East Coast? Uh, I had some people email me saying, hey, are they going to open anything over in Perth, which is way the hell on the other side of Australia, uh, across a massive outback region? And I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Microsoft won't tell me where they're going to open regions. Uh, it doesn't seem unreasonable, but again, there has to be a business case to dump essentially a billion dollars into Perth. I don't, I, I don't quite know, but there's definitely two coming to Australia, which is more than you had, uh, you know, currently, because there's, I don't think there's any right now. And look for those to arrive next year. And so, uh, I don't think I talked about this last week. Skype did some big stuff this week, and I've actually been uh, emailing and been very close to the Skype team. I, I'm a large proponent of complaining about Skype, mostly because they deserved everything because they took a service that was good when it was P2P, they moved it to the cloud, it was bad, and now they've got it fully in the cloud and the back end seemed to be fine, and then they screwed up the front end with this mobile app, and so I just, it, you know, they, they earned all the criticism they got, and so the, the team very much legitimately started reaching out to me, and I've, t I've talked to them on the phone, I've talked to them through email many times, and they gave me a heads up about what was coming down for the desktop, and I've been using it for a week. It got released about a week, give or take. Uh, it got released yesterday. And so what Microsoft has done is they're bringing the mobile UI to the desktop. 
And when I first heard they were going to do this, my heart just kind of sank. I got really sad and depressed and um, was down in the dumps about Microsoft ruining the last bastion of hope for Skype being good, which was the traditional desktop client. And yeah, so here we are. And I got to say, I'm actually honestly surprised. It's much better than I thought it would be. It took me a little time to get used to it. It's much more modern and updated and feels nice. Uh, but overall, this feels more, much more like a new coat of paint than it does a complete overhaul of the application. And it works. And you can go download it. It's in beta right now. And here's the funky thing. And I know why they're doing this, but this is still dumb. And I didn't even know this at the time. But anyways, this beta desktop application won't run on newer builds of Windows 10. They're they're trying to update, essentially. Uh, they, they don't admit it, but they really just want Windows 7 users to be using this. They want Windows 10 users to be using the modern app that comes through the store. But the store version doesn't have this new UI. I suspect that the store version will be updated to this design language and uh, appearance here in the very near future. But for now, if you're on Windows 7, you can grab it. If you're on Windows 10, technically, it, it kind of doesn't work. But there's a real quick, easy workaround. Just run the app in Windows compatibility mode. Just run it. Uh, just use Windows 7, and it should run just fine on just about any version of Windows 10. I can tell you this, though. If you are on 1607, like I was, I'm not running in compatibility mode. It just worked. I don't know why, but if you're on any later version, it doesn't work. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, mostly because the creator's update hasn't been delivered to my machine yet. I'm still waiting. I'm crossing my fingers that one day Microsoft will deem me creative enough to actually give me that update. But today is not that day. So if you hate the new UI, it's basically my fault. And feel free to blame me at this point because I was working with them. I don't want to make, I don't want to steal their credit. I, I really don't. They were the ones designing it, but they were shipping me. They've sent me a lot of things, a lot of different screenshots. And I told them my opinions. Um, they're working on, I can tell you this. For the next update, or I shouldn't say the next update, but in the pipeline for the update for the mobile app, they're going to change up the bottom text input area at the bottom. It's Right now it's a cluttered, clunky mess. And they showed me some screenshots of things they're working on to make that better. Uh, also things they're working on for the, the desktop app, they're trying to make notifications a little bit more apparent. Right now, if you're not like staring directly at Skype, it's a little bit hard to tell who has given you uh, an update or a message. And so they're working on changing up some of the UI elements for that. And they, since I've been running this app, I've gotten three updates uh, before yesterday's release. So they might've been trying to push some out right before they gave it to the public, but it seems like they are iterating relatively quickly on that front. So be look at, on the lookout for that. Uh, bad news if you're wanting an insider build this week, nothing coming. I, I'm almost positive this is because they're in the position of wrapping up the fall creators update. They're in crunch time, bug smash time, and they're they're, they're really squeezing down on the timelines. And uh, I know they want the data and the feedback, but they're I think I think they're getting ready to do that stuff where they typically release a whole bunch of builds back to back to back. Uh, they're they're getting close, so the fall creators update is nearly done. I'm not quite sure when they are going to announce it, but I suspect, uh, it, I'm hoping it's before Ignite. I mean, I guess in theory they could announce it at, at Ignite and say, hey, it's coming to everybody today. But that seems like a pretty big waste of time to wait, um, what, six weeks from now when we already know that they're done doing features, they're just doing bug updates, and they've been doing that for about three weeks. So uh, they're, they're getting close. They are getting close. So there we go. Um, other stuff going on. Microsoft uh, on, I believe it's Sunday, is going to be in Germany where they have, I believe it's, it's Gamescom. And they're going to be announcing the Xbox One pre-order information on Sunday. 
And so I'm excited about this, but at the same time, I'm not excited about it. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm I, I, a more powerful console is never a bad thing. I, I don't want to say that this Microsoft shouldn't have done this. I, I absolutely don't uh, want that to come off because it's going to be great. If you have a 4K TV like that, uh, it'll be good. Although I can tell you, I, 4K gaming is great, but what I would prefer is 60 frames per second at 1080p would be much, much more beneficial to a gamer because it would be very smooth and very nice. Um, but I'll be curious to see, you know, companies want to push 4K because that's a buzzword. 1080p, 60 frames per second isn't so much of a buzzword, uh, although I would argue that I'd much, much prefer that than, say, 4K gaming at this time. But uh, anyways, so pre-orders are coming this Sunday, but the sad news is is that Crackdown 3, which I, I, I thought they might have even announced this back when the Xbox One originally was going to launch. It's been around for a very long time, is actually not going to make the launch uh, of Xbox One X. It's not going to be a launch title. They've delayed it into 2018. And this is really sad because I loved the... Uh, the first Crackdown was great. Crackdown 2 is... Yeah, but Crackdown 1 was crazy fun. I played hundreds of hours in that game. And so here we are. Crackdown 3 is not coming. And so uh, the launch games for the Xbox One X aren't really like anything. Uh, I think there's what, like Lucky Tail or something like that? But Crackdown 3 was going to be like the hero game, I think. So uh, what I'm hoping to hear this weekend is that Microsoft has something up their sleeve that says, okay, the Xbox One X launch lineup of games that are designed for that console. And granted, they will still work with the Xbox One S and uh, the original. I I'm just hoping that they have something, right? They need something. They can't just launch a console with like, ah, you know what, it's here it is. Uh, all your games will look slightly better or whatnot. And there you go. I don't know. We will see. I, the crackdown being delayed was it had to have been a tough decision, but they've delayed it so much. This game better be amazing when it comes out. Otherwise, um, yeah. Otherwise, I, I don't know. They've delayed it so much. The only thing I can think of is that it came out and they were going to launch with the Xbox One. It wasn't quite ready, so they delayed it. And then they got into this awkward position. It's like, okay, we'll do it with the Xbox One X. And then they tried to upscale everything to the 4K or get the frame rate, and it didn't work. And now they're... I, I, I don't know. If anybody has insider information about that, that would be really crazy to know uh, what is going on there. I'll be curious if anybody is planning to buy one at 500 bucks. It's not cheap, and I'm not sure if the benefits are truly there yet, uh, especially if there's no games that are truly going to tap into that. I know that's how all consoles launch. Um, the first one, the first couple games with it are good, but they're not really tapping into the, the full power and capacity of the console and so we're going to have to wait and kind of see how this plays out. But um, I'll be curious to see how the Xbox One X goes over with uh, the mass community. And granted, this is coming from somebody who plays Xbox just about every single day. I'll get done with this podcast and kind of veg out for a little bit until the next one later this day. And I'll play Xbox on there. And if the Xbox One X gives me a reason, like if they came out and said, hey, we're going to launch Destiny 2 at 60 frames per second, 1080p. I might go buy the console. Like, uh, although the problem is that Destiny comes out uh, September sixth. I want to say, yeah, that sounds about right. And I've already played it for a month, I guess, or so. And then that console come. I don't know. Uh, I'll be playing Destiny a lot. So, hmm. yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We will see. Uh, other things happening in the world of Microsoft this week. They acquired a company called Cycle Computing, which is a cloud orchestrator, which makes the, it sounds exactly what it sounds like, uh, orchestrate things in the cloud. 
And they're basically allowing for uh, hyperscale computing, supercomputing. They're, they're making that process easier. This fits perfectly in the Microsoft narrative. Hypercycle computing takes a process that can be difficult, turning Azure into a supercomputer and opening up that powering potential to the end user. And Microsoft just snatched them up. We don't know how much, uh, but the people who own the company probably had a massive payday because they very proudly boasted that they never took any VC funding and bootstrapped all of it, which for those who aren't familiar means that they put their own money, time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears, and didn't take any outside funding. So when their payday comes, uh, they get a large one out of it. And so uh, congrats to them. And we'll be curious to see how long it takes Microsoft to truly integrate this into Azure. I suspect it shall not take all that long. Um, other than that, it's been relatively quiet this week in the world of Microsoft. That's not too surprising. August is typically a down month for the company. I know I've said that probably dozens and dozens of times. And as they ramp things up for Ignite and that kind of stuff, they're going to uh, you know, open the doors a little bit more. People will be coming back from vacation. If you follow any softies on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, you'll see lots of vacation photos because that is what they do during the month of August. Uh, one thing that did happen yesterday, and if you're sensitive to male uh, genitalia, just mute your ears or whatever. So it, it's quite hilarious. Bing does this photo of the day, and uh, it was of a beach, and etched into the beach, somebody clearly made a sand penis. And it was funny. It, to be honest, it was the perfect comic relief. Twitter has just been a dumpster fire with politics and everything else going on in the world. And then here's Microsoft accidentally putting a penis on the front page of their search engine, and it got to the front page of Reddit and everywhere else. And it was honestly hilarious. And then they photoshopped it out and used the same image. And so, yeah, it, it was just a nice comic relief. Um, nothing sincere. It was not a real human penis. It was just drawn in the sand. I, it was pretty small, too. So hats off to the people who are scouring the sand to see if there are any sand penises. And, in fact, there were. And so, uh, good little comic relief. So we're going to jump into the questions this week. I have not looked at, actually, any of these. Let's refresh the page. And, da, 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 da. looks like there's nine of them. Once, da, 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 da. All right. Uh, the Joe Fan asks, he says, Do you think Microsoft will update the Surface ergonomic keyboard included fingerprint reader? Also, have either of you used the keyboard long term? Uh, the ergonomic keyboard, yeah, I would imagine they would. I don't know why they wouldn't. It seems like Microsoft is really pushing pushing this biometric login. They came out with, uh, you can't really see it on this one. This isn't the keyboard, but it's that model. And it has a fingerprint reader. I suspect they would do that for ergonomic. I suspect they're going to do that for a lot of things. Uh, and also, have either of you used that keyboard long term? No, I haven't. Personally, I don't like, this isn't the ergonomic keyboard. I don't like this keyboard, the key, and it's very similar to this. The reason why I don't like this one is the key travel isn't long enough for me. I use a big clunky mechanical keyboard that has key presses that uh, basically drill down to China every time I press a letter because I type really hard. And so those keyboards just don't fit my typing personality. Some people absolutely love them, so make sure to get your hands on it first and don't necessarily take, um, take my opinion for it just because I have a very specific need for keyboards and a specific style that I like. And that one just isn't it. Keyboards and mice are very personal devices. It's the most, uh, it's it's what you touch on the key on the computer the most. And so make sure you, if you don't love your keyboard, go find one that you do because I guarantee you that there are there is one out there that you will fall in love with, and it makes your computing experience so much better when you like your mouse and keyboard. Uh, Jules Wombat says, "Why is Paul so mean to you?" It's because he loves me. Uh, Clark B asks. He says. Uh, given past malware issues like the Lenovo Superfish issue and spyware like the Visio view tracking and selling of consumer data, what is your view relatively safely between using smart TVs built 
built-in OS, like modified uh, Teasons and Smart and Roku and all that stuff. You know, uh, this is a very interesting and good question. Uh, specifically in this room right here that I'm sitting, there are one, two, three, four, seven cameras, right? And I'm basically trusting that, um, that the companies are going to do the right thing. And so here's one perspective of it. If Microsoft was found to be inadvertently tracking you or viewing your webcam, that would be a colossal issue and undermine everything that they stand for. So uh, not to mention from somebody who writes about Microsoft, it would be a, it would be a, a home run in the worst possible way of content for Microsoft and, and security related issues. And so I trust Microsoft in that aspect. Apple is, uh, I would actually put Apple probably up there too, because they position that, hey, they don't sell their data, they don't do marketing and that kind of stuff. And so th the risk you run is when you run into the companies that use the marketing data, that's kind of like what I watch for, is if a company is going to sell your data, that means they have a, a tangible benefit of tracking you and viewing what you're doing on your TV. And unfortunately, it's very hard to get away with. Um, one thing you can do, and not to, not to, boast amplify or whatever many many routers do this so i use amplify hd as my router system and i can actually see that tv we'll just use this one uh oops that tv back there on my network and i can actually specifically turn it off from the internet if i want and using a router like that is probably going to be your best bet of uh, blocking that stuff if you're truly worried about it and i understand why if you are i i, I don't blame people who have privacy concerns, that's very fair and relevant today. Because to your point, Clark, every time we think, okay, you know, companies aren't jackasses, they're not gonna do that, they, they turn around and burn us. Um, so yeah, you, you just have to be careful. It's truly a case-by-case -case scenario. And when you're using modified software, you have to be careful too, because you don't really know, there's no safeguards in place. Uh, modified software doesn't come with a privacy policy and all that stuff, you're just kind of taking at the will of the creator. So my best recommendation is if you truly are worried about this, just to end this one, is to get a router that allows you to turn things off device by device at the router, not in the software. Because again, if it's crappy software, turning off Wi-Fi may not actually true turn it off. Turn it off at the router is going to be your best bet. Now, Adam Jarvis writes, he says, uh, this is more a question, but with an answer novel. I know he says, after Raf's attempt last week, and all fair, this is very, oh, okay. He says, in Windows 10, we noticed and started showing green horizontal and vertical bars in YouTube when playing MP4 files with Firefox 54 and 55. Pretty irritating. It seems to stem from certain NVIDIA cards not having compatible DX11 support. Uh, and he shows off an example. He says, the way to solve this is to type about config in Firefox and search for, and he lists the string. So if you have this issue, uh, check out the thread on throat.com and disable that option. You no longer have any green bars. So. In a nutshell, if you have green bars when viewing video and Firefox, go check out Adam Jarvis's post. He has a solution. Uh, Peter K says, any news regarding Windows Andromeda projects? Paul mentioned that it has been moved to 2019, or did I get that wrong? Uh, not a whole lot to go off here. So the, the timing of this release is very much juggling at all times. I've heard 2018. Mary Jo had heard 2018. Paul's hearing 2019. What this tells us is that they don't really know. And uh, they're working towards deadlines. And Microsoft is, while they're under pressure to release something, they're not under pressure to release something because they've already lost the mobile aspect of it. And so what we are, the best way to think about this is, well, actually, I know from a fact, Microsoft is not expecting whatever device they re release to be a mass market device. I've heard that from multiple sources. 
So whatever they're building, they're going to build it when the, they think the timing is right and when it's done, not when they need to get it out to the market because they need a device. So there's not a whole lot. Um, these are things that kind of leak out. This is coming from like a really small core team, which means it's really hard to get information on. And you just kind of hear things that uh, get over talked about at lunch. Not exactly that scenario. But as I hear more credible information, obviously I'll pass it on. But uh, that's kind of what I'm hearing at this point. Uh, KJPDA says, has Microsoft mentioned adding the Xbox controller dongle to any Surface device? Uh, yes and no. Kind of. So this Surface Studio, you can use an Xbox controller with it natively without the dongle. So it wouldn't surprise me if upcoming devices actually do support that, at least in the high end. I know the Surface Studio does support that. Uh, and then he said, did you post a picture of a Microsoft 2 band recently on Twitter? Uh, where can someone pick up a new Microsoft band? So I live in Cincinnati, and there's a Dick's Sporting Goods in Cincinnati that still has a new inbox. I think it's a small uh, band, too. And that's the only place I know of that you can still get one new inbox. Um, so that's about all I can offer you. You're going to have to look around, but they're not being sold. or They're not being produced. They haven't been produced in a very long time. So... Uh, Spartan fan asks, he says, would you, what would Microsoft's percent market share be in the tablet laptop category? I, that's, that's tough. Uh, there might be information out there. Gartner might put something out. Uh, KGI, I don't think they do that. I don't, honestly, I don't quite know. It's relatively small per se. And I, I'm not meaning that as a ding on Microsoft, but you got to remember Microsoft typically sells premium priced products and the market share is typically made up of value priced products or lower priced um, like if somebody wants a $500 laptop, Microsoft is not the vendor for them. If somebody wants a six or $700 laptop, Microsoft still really isn't the vendor for them. They don't start playing in the laptop tablet category until you get into about the $800 range for something that's decent. And so Microsoft is going to have a smaller volume, but that doesn't mean they're not selling. It's just that Microsoft skews or skews up, uh, towards the premium product. I can, I can look that up. I, I know there's somebody out there who relatively does this, but or frequently, I shouldn't say relatively, but I don't have it off the top of my head. Uh, Chris Arthur asks, he said, this is an interesting one. He says, what is the best way for a father and son to play games such as the upcoming World of War, uh, World War II Call of Duty together in the same house, on the same internet connection, and on the same team against other players? Do we need two Xbox Gold accounts? Should we buy the game digitally so we can buy it once and share it? Uh, does that work with two primary Gold accounts? So... To be honest, I, this is a very good question. I'd actually love to know if, if a reader knows the best way to do this, mostly because I don't really share content. My wife, uh, as much as I'd love her to, does not play video games with me. Uh, she does play golf with me on occasion, so I, you know, I've got that going. But my kid is way too young to be playing video games. So that's a very good question. I don't quite know. It, what's really frustrating is that Microsoft, when they initially were going to launch the Xbox console, this was going to be a very real possibility to share things uh, digitally. But... People complained about not being able to trade in discs. Stupid, looking back on it now. It was stupid at the time. And so they neutered that functionality to do allow game trade-ins. Um, I'd actually reach out to the community. What is the best way to share a video game like this? World, of War, World War II Call of Duty in the same household. Um, you might need two Xbox Live Gold accounts, I would think, at the bare minimum to be able to play online. Like, almost positive. And you might actually have to buy the game twice, which really sucks. There's got to be a better way. But unfortunately, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, and Adam Corbley asks a random question out of left field, but I'm actually going to address it because I heard an interesting theory that I totally believe. He says, do you or Paul believe in aliens? I have no idea about Paul. 
uh, do you think they could be here? Interesting here. A good, honest five minutes from you two on this. Uh, so here's for this is going to be a weird way to end the podcast besides the tip of the day. Here's my theory on aliens uh, or personal beliefs. Do they exist? Absolutely. The, the universe, I'm a very much a math and statistics probability person. The universe is so massive. Uh, the probability of there being aliens or, and you got to quantify, qualify that. I mean, aliens may not be intelligent species. It could be a little microbe living on another planet. Do I believe aliens exist? Absolutely. Um, there's just a sure probability that they do exist. Um, I, I can't imagine that we are the only ones in this mass universe that exist. Uh, are they here on earth? I very much believe that they are not. Here's here's an interesting theory that I totally believe, conspiracy theory, whatever you call it. So you remember the 60s and the Roswell, all that stuff? Aliens were like the big thing, right? And we also know at the same time, this is when the government was testing like spy planes, uh, stealth bombers, and all that stuff. The conspiracy theory, or whatever you want to call it at the time, and still exists today, is that aliens was the cover-up for all this stuff. And it makes perfect sense that if you can get the people who are seriously interested in these unidentified objects believing that there are aliens on earth and attacking planet earth and they're all focused on that it's much easier to develop spacecraft under that cover and they can say oh uh, you know they say there's no aliens and they created this kind of mystical thing to go chase while they're doing all this other stuff on the side as a cover uh that's my aliens conspiracy theory that i truly believe in are they on the planet i don't think so um i think we would have it'd be very hard to keep that type of a secret for a very long time so anyways guys uh tip of the week try out the new skype update i actually think it's worth trying it, it, it's pretty good the, the biggest downside to it and you need to know this is that if you're somebody who depends on skype to be able to break out the conversation into its own window you can't do that on this version of skype and i know that's going to annoy a lot of people but other than that if that doesn't bother you i totally give this a recommendation of trying because it seems to be i don't know it's relatively stable so uh, that's all I got for this week, guys. It does look like there might be a build of insiders next week based on what Donna was just saying on Twitter. So hopefully that happens and we get some new bits. Although I'm not really expecting many fun features or any of that kind of stuff. So uh, with that, guys, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you right back here on the Sam's Report and have a great day.